Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished and senior professional and an author from San Diego, USA, Mr. Mark C. Crowley. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so very, very much. I'm honored to be with you. Thank you. Um, Mark spent 20 years with the fintech industry, and he's an author, and all of you know I'm very partial to authors. So he's an author of a book titled Lead from the Heart, Transformational Leadership for the 21st Century. So Mark, before we talk about your book and transformational leadership, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Well, it's a we could probably talk the whole evening because on this one question, Ashitash, because really what it comes down to is that, and I think you'll appreciate this, when I got into sort of later years of life, you know, probably in my mid-50s, um, I realized that my entire life was a progression of where I was supposed to be. Uh -huh. meaning that there were certain experiences that I had uh -huh. that I needed to have, even though many of them were very, very painful uh -huh. in order to get to where I am today in the sense that I couldn't have written the book that I wrote or be with you talking about the content of that book right. had I not had those experiences. Uh -huh. So in essence, the journey started when I was very young. My mother died suddenly when I was young. My father raised me. He psychologically and emotionally abused me from my childhood and then kicked me out of the house with no money, no support. I never saw him until he died 15 years later. And so it was a very difficult upbringing. And when he kicked me out of the house, I was pretty much beaten to a pulp in the sense that I had no self-confidence. I didn't really believe that I was worthy. And now I'm trying to go to college and prove that my father was essentially wrong about me. Mm -hmm. And so the deck was stacked against me, but somehow I managed to persist. And when I started managing people, I started to think about all the things that I didn't get in my life up until that point, support and thoughtful direction and encouragement and praise and love. And, and I decided unconsciously to give it to everybody who worked for me. Amazing. Thank you, Mark, for sharing uh, your own story on my platform. Really grateful that you've done that. So let's talk about your book. And before we talk about the book, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check Mr. Mark Crowley's book on Amazon. I will go and check it myself. So let's start by asking you the first question. What inspired you to write the book Lead from the Heart? And do share your insights into transformational leadership. So the first thing I want to tell you is, is that we published the book in America and it's published, it's, it's available in English, but the only country uh -huh. that my publisher and I decided to publish a special edition is in India. Uh -huh. And it just came out a few weeks ago. So okay. I'm, I'm honored to be with you talking about it, knowing that the book has now just yeah. come out in India. Uh -huh. But you know, the honest truth is, 
I decided I had left a big job in a company that we had just been bought out. And the company that acquired us was, there was no alignment whatsoever in terms of values and how they led. So I decided to leave. Hmm. And my decision was to write a book, but I wanted to write about certain practices, certain leadership practices that I had discovered. Mm. If you practice them in aggregate, meaning if you did them all, four of them, that you would have infinitely better success as a leader than most people achieve. Mm. But what happened was somebody said to me, a friend of mine said, you're going to have to explain why this works. Mm. And it never crossed my mind. I just thought people would, you know, I had a credible background. I thought people would just take me at my word. But when I realized that he was right, I went and spent over a year and a half looking for evidence to support my thesis. Mm -hmm. And what I found was profound in terms of how unpeople, how unhappy people are in their jobs mm. and how effective traditional leadership practices are and have been and actually do more harm than good. But the big piece that I got was I wrote a cardio surgeon, a world famous heart surgeon, mm -hmm. and said, I think I was affecting the hearts in people, mm -hmm. that this is why people routinely scaled mountains for me, achieved extraordinary things, man or woman, didn't matter age, didn't matter education, didn't matter the job, mm -hmm. the experience was universal. And when I went to meet with her, she looked at me and she said, you, Mr. Crowley, have figured out something that we're just figuring out in science ourselves, mm -hmm. that we now know that the heart and the mind are connected, that the heart is sending more signals to the mind than the other way around. Wow. And that our experience of life is mm -hmm. being influenced by the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's where the title of the book came from, mm -hmm. because this is not fully understood in medicine, I mean, there's still doctors that don't believe this, but moreover in business. Mm, well said, well said. And how would you define the phrase transformational leadership and how would it differ from the so-called traditional leadership? Traditional leadership is based on the premise that mm. it's a win-lose scenario. Mm. So I'm going to pay you as little as possible and I'm going to squeeze as much work out of you as possible in order for me as the business owner to make more money. Mm -hmm. So the more I give to you, the less I get. That's mm -hmm. the mentality. Mm -hmm. Transformational leadership says that there needs to be a win-win. Mm -hmm. In other words, if I'm going to devote my life, you've had companies yourself. Right. And mm. so if I'm going to work for you and commit to you and to give you all that I have in all dimensions, it needs to be a fair exchange. It actually needs to be more than a fair exchange. It needs to be something that fulfills me and gives me meaning and purpose in addition to meeting my basic needs for food and water and shelter and so forth. Mm. And so transformational leadership is based on the opposite premise, which is you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. The more we do for people in terms of developing them, supporting them, caring about them, I'll even say loving them mm -hmm. in, a, in a business sense, the more you do that, people will instinctively and naturally respond to you by giving you more. Mm 
Mm. And so all boats rise, the pie is expanded, businesses do better, mm. leaders do better. And there's it's a lot more fulfilling to know that you're enhancing other people's lives, that people who work for you are thriving and not resenting you or hating you or wanting mm. to quit. Mm. Well said. Great response. Thank you. The other question I had, and when I was reading about you and reading some reviews of your book, I thought I'd ask you that what are some common misconceptions or challenges that leaders face when trying to lead from the heart? You're asking really wonderful questions. So let me stop there and say that. I appreciate the preparation. Thank you. Uh, this, this, is, this one question you just asked me triggers all kinds of things inside of me because mm -hmm. I was urged to not call the book okay. Lead from the Heart. Mm -hmm. And the, the reason is that, and this is particularly in the West, um, and I've studied a lot of Indian spirituality and religions, and I know that you have a different view of things there. But in the world that I live in, mostly in, in the West, the idea of bringing heart into leadership is a huge taboo. It's not just a taboo. It's it, it conjures up when somebody in America, for example, who's working in a business mm. and they hear the title lead from the heart, mm. they think, oh, he must be a religious nut or a spiritualist mm. or somebody who doesn't understand business. And it's the latter. So I had to make a decision because I was I was I paid a lot of money for coaching and, and consulting. And the person who consulted to me said, never yeah. say lead from the heart again. Like, mm. don't utter those words because you'll go broke. Mm. No one's ever going to want to listen to you. Mm. But it was the reason that I've stayed with it and the reason that I've persisted against all of that resistance mm. is that the science is just so clear right. that we have two forms of intelligence mm. and it's the mind and the heart. And to ignore the heart is to ignore the humanity in people. Mm. And as we were just talking about with respect to transformational leadership, you cannot ignore the spirit in people if you want them to perform and to thrive and to do all the great things that leaders want people to do. Well said, well said. And the other question that I had was uh, on empathy. You know, a lot of people talk about leaders uh, developing the need for empathy. My question is, what role does empathy play in transformational leadership? And how can leaders cultivate uh, empathy in themselves? Well, those, those are two great questions. And let me answer the first one. Yeah. I don't believe empathy is the most important quality. I think compassion is the most important quality. Mm -hmm. And there have been there are many, many articles floating around these days saying how important empathy is. But there's a difference. Empathy is understanding. I hear, for example, that your wife is sick. Mm -hmm. My empathetic response is to be concerned about you. My compassionate response to you is to say, I understand, Ashitash, that your wife is, is not well. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know that I'm thinking about her, that she's in my thoughts. And I want to do whatever I can to help you. If you need to go see her in the hospital or, you know, stay home one day to take care of her, by all means, do that because mm -hmm. you need to take care of your wife. 
There's a difference in how you feel. And I'm all about feelings and emotions drive human behavior. Mm -hmm. So if I just think, oh, poor Ashutosh, that's empathy. If I do something and it doesn't have to be to solve her illness, Mm -hmm. it just means to demonstrate to you that I care. So that's a really important distinction I think we we miss. The other thing is, is that I was criticized and and really um, sort of had my my well-being legs chopped off at mm-hmm. a very early age. And so after I got kicked out of the house, unfortunately, I carried my father's voice with me. Mm-hmm. So when I failed at something or something didn't go well the way that I wanted it to, or I was frustrated by something, mm-hmm. I would you know, I would be very, very hard on myself. And so a very hard lesson for me to learn was to love myself as much as I'm trying to love other people and Mm. to care about myself. And Mm. there's a woman in America, she's a famous, famous author. Mm -hmm. She wrote a very famous book about writing called Bird by Bird. And in the in the book, which she's really sort of helping writers Mm. get the confidence to produce a book or an article or whatever. Mm. She said, as a writer, you need to be militantly on your own side. Mm. And Ashutosh, when I heard it, it just floored me because I realized up till that point in my life that I'd never been on my side in any dimension. Mm. I was always against Mark Mm. as opposed to supporting Mark and knowing that we're human and that things aren't going to go well. And so I have learned to be very empathetic with Mark. And I've also, I'm speaking of him in the third person with myself Mm -hmm. and, and even more compassionate with myself in in ways that I never thought were imaginable. Correct. And you're so right. I mean, as an author, it's very important to put yourself first. I think that's a very important factor that you've just spoken about. My next question to you is that another aspect of leadership that is talked about a lot is to foster a culture of trust and psychological safety. How do transformational leaders do that? You know, it starts with, I think everything boils down to the to the manager. I think it all boils down to the leader. And I tweet, I have a large following on Twitter and I just tweeted recently that if I were taking over a team today, whether they're high performing or not, the very first thing that I would do would be to focus on establishing trust. Mm. So asking people for feedback, asking people for guidance, give me a sense of what I should do, Mm. build a relationship with people where they trust you because you, you mentioned cleverly psychological safety and they go hand in hand. Correct. So if you establish trust with people, the next step is that people feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's like, I believe in Mark. I trust Mark. Mm -hmm. And then all kinds of fireworks goes off because people can, you know, I don't think this is going very well. Or you might want to look at this as a problem that people probably aren't telling you about. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting insights that you didn't have before that enable you to be a better leader and to then just keep the cycle going where people go, he listened to me. I told him something in confidence and he kept the confidence, but he acted and he did the right things. And all of this, they're Mm -hmm. both very much connected. But I, I don't think that it's an organization. I think it's it's the individual manager. Right. 
So we can work for the same company and have a manager that everybody loves and trusts and work, you know, right side by side with a manager that mm. nobody trusts and they don't have psychological safety. So people just, you know, they just shut themselves down mm. and never achieve the effectiveness because they're marinating in some kind of fear mm. or apprehension. So I, it's, a, it's a brilliant yeah. question. Fantastic. Thank you. The next question is that, you know, how can transformational leaders encourage creativity and innovation while maintaining a heart-centered approach? Well, I think they go hand in hand, right? So the, the idea of creativity and innovation, you know, we used to think that there was like a group of people that were the creative types. We're going to put those people in a separate department or a yeah. separate room. Mm -hmm. And what I found over and over, and I'm sure you have too, with your remarkable career, mm -hmm. that everyone is creative. Mm -hmm. Everyone has ideas, right? And they come at different times and they come in different forms, but everybody offers something mm -hmm. as long as you honor it in people. Mm -hmm. And so my experience is that you tell people that I do not have all the answers. And the only way that this boat is going to move against the sea mm -hmm. as fast and as strongly as possible if everyone is rowing, if everyone is contributing. Mm -hmm. And there's a deep satisfaction in knowing. I had this experience where somebody came to me who was working for me mm -hmm. and he goes, you're making a very big mistake. You mm -hmm. realize that, right? Mm -hmm. It was a decision that I had just made and just announced and thought I had thought it out really, really well. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I think you're making a big mistake. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why? Now I could have said, Hey, I already thought about this and I've already made the yeah. decision. So I don't need to hear it. But I said, tell me why. Mm -hmm. And he told me, and I said, it was such a basic thing that I had missed. Mm -hmm. So I ended up telling him, I said, you're right. I'm changing the decision. I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. So about two weeks later, I met his wife. And he goes, oh, are you, are you Mark, the, you know, Chris's manager? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, he came home so excited telling me that, you know, that you had changed his, you, he had changed your mind. Mm -hmm. And I saw the joy. I saw the satisfaction mm -hmm. of knowing that he went home with such excitement to tell his wife mm -hmm. that, you know, the boss wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. It just made me so happy. And okay. so people can contribute if they know that you're going to appreciate what they bring to the table. Amazing. Thank you. What a great response. My next question is that how do you, Mark, see technology and automation impacting leadership in the 21st century? And can heart-centered leadership still thrive in a digital age? You know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of concern about AI. And, you know, so let's let's boil this down to the big issue as far as I'm concerned. We're being told that AI has the ability to wipe out a lot of people's jobs, okay. right? Instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Now it remains to be seen, but based on what I've seen already, there are certain jobs or certain roles within jobs. An attorney, for example, mm -hmm. there's a lot of research that can be done by AI. And so you don't need as okay. many attorneys. And so you're gonna, you could wipe out that job. Mm -hmm. But if you have a heart, you're not just going to be oriented towards eliminating jobs because it eliminates costs. Mm -hmm. You're going to put the whole piece into works and mm -hmm. say, well, okay. So 
if he was spending 50% of his time doing legal research that we no longer need because it's automatically going to be produced, how can we still retain this attorney and allow them to do the work that they're really best at Mm -hmm. that still drive revenue? Mm -hmm. So in America, with a lot of our companies being publicly traded, Mm -hmm. we defer so much to shareholders that the instantaneous thought is, we can get rid of a lot of people and that's going to save us a lot of money. Mm. And if we do that in every company, we will destroy society in a way that is unnecessary. Mm. And so that's where you have to go into your heart and say, just because we have the technology doesn't mean we need to use it for harm. Mm. And so this is going to be the big debate in our world. And I hope that we make the right decisions because every time we've introduced new technology, it's only made people more effective and more efficient. It didn't Mm. necessarily have to take jobs away. Mm. Well said. Thank you. So I have time for one more question for you. And this question is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your amazing understanding of transformational leadership and fact that you've written your own book, Lead from the Heart. What would you say are three lessons you would want a lot of our young viewers and listeners to take away as they think of leadership or as they think of transformational leadership? The first one is something that we're completely told not to do in business. I was told never to do this in business, Mm -hmm. which is to trust your intuition. Mm. That's your heart. Yeah, Your higher self your higher knowing, higher wisdom. Mm. And so the way that I would propose this is to say, it's not to say that the heart should triumph or trump the brain. They are intended to work together. Mm. So if you have a business decision you need to make, do all your analytics, Mm. run the data, think about it as much as you can up here. Mm. And then right before you make the decision, go here. And ask to ask ask your heart what's the best decision because mm-hmm. you've been informed. Now ask it. The mm-hmm. heart will never lie to you. Mm-hmm. The heart will give you the right answer as long as you've done that work. If you just ask the heart, you might be misled. Mm-hmm. But if you ask them both, but in that sequence, I've discovered you'll never go wrong. Like, mm-hmm. should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I move? any of those big life kinds of decisions, you shouldn't make them with your mind because your mind can come up with all kinds of excuses. Correct. The next one I would say is never ever underestimate the impact of appreciating people. Mm -hmm. And we are taught Mm -hmm. that, Ashutosh, you do something good for me today. You come in and you say, Mark, I just finished your report and you asked for me to get it to you by Friday, but today Mm. is Wednesday. And I say, congratulations, that actually helps me a lot because I need to get that to my boss and you're giving me two days. Thank you very much. So then you come in a couple hours later and you say, hey, Mark, I just want to let you know Mm. that my team just met a really important goal. Mm. And this just happened on the same day, but I really wanted you to know. We've been taught, well, I already thanked him once. So if I thank him again for the new goal, he's going to get soft around the middle and he's going to take advantage of me. He's going to ask me for praise. And so I don't do it. I go, okay, good. Thanks. You know, like just rub it right off. Mm -hmm. You leave and you're like, 
I just gave him something remarkable and mm. he didn't even acknowledge it. Yep. And how do you feel? Okay. You feel you feel disappointed, you feel neglected. And I don't want you to feel that way. Mm. I want you to feel thrilled. Mm. So if I thank you 10 times a day, I've never found anybody who came back to use it against me. You know, now that you've been thanking me so much, I need to be called king now or something. You know, nobody, nobody's ever taken yeah. advantage of that. Sure. They're so grateful that really? you yeah. care about them enough to do that. Great response. Yeah. And then the third one is to really get to know your people, to know their story. I don't believe you can manage anybody without knowing their story. Mm. And another thing in the West that we do is we think, oh, you know, uh, if I get if I ask him any questions about his life, it's gonna it's gonna take away from his productivity, and you know he's he's gonna take his eye off the ball and all those kinds of things. Mm. When in fact, when I know who you are and what your aspirations are, and also what your challenges are, mm -hmm. let's say you have a five year old daughter, mm -hmm. and she's going to school, and you are able to take her to school every day if you could come to work 15 minutes later than everybody else did. Right. Our traditional belief is everybody gets in at the same time, so I can't make that accommodation, and I don't really want to know about it anyway. Mm -hmm. I just want you to come in and do your job, and I'm going to pay you good, and you're going to get your, your benefits, and then you go home, and that's, that's our deal. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, no, that's not our deal. Our deal is learn about the person, mm -hmm. demonstrate that you know about them uniquely, and orient your leadership of that person in a way that demonstrates to them that they're getting something from you that no one else is. Mm -hmm. So somebody says, well, you know, you're doing that for Ashutosh. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing something for you. If the, I'm doing the things for him that are important to him. And I'm doing the things for you that are important to you. So if you suddenly have a five-year-old daughter that wants to go to school, that be taken by his father to school, tell me and we'll make that accommodation. So you can work that out very quickly. But the big mm. picture is the more you know your people, the more they know and feel that you care about them. Mm. That's the most important thing. Mm. Well said. And on that note, Mark, and your three amazing lessons, trust your intuition uh, or your heart. I also think trust your gut feel, which comes out of your heart. Next one you said was never underestimate the impact of appreciations. Very powerful statement you just made on that one. And the third one you said was get to know your people, get to know their story. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own amazing journey. Thank you for talking to me about your book, Lead from the Heart, Transformational Leadership for the 21st Century. Thank you for also sharing with me so many different aspects of transformational leadership and uh, leading from the heart. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you so very much. If I could add that I struggled in writing this book. And one day I live where I live um, about 30 miles or about a half an hour drive from me mm. is Yogananda's Hermitage, mm. where he wrote the autobiography yeah. of a yogi. Of a yogi yeah. And so I went up only on Sundays, once a month, they open up the hermitage. And I went in and I went into his room all by myself and just mm -hmm. stood in his room. They don't let you in. There's a little rope. Yeah. And I just said, Swami, help me finish this book. Mm -hmm. And it all flowed afterwards. So I've got a little dedication to him. It's always, you know, that's my connection to India too. Oh, nice. but 
there was something very special about that. Fantastic. And I hope we'll see you in India soon then. I hope to come. Thank you very, very much. It's been my pleasure to join Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.